Thanks for listening. Join us now for Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. When I was a teenager, I couldn't not sin. I was a slave to my passions and desires. I didn't know how to break free. I didn't know how to access the power to break free. Fast forward to now in my journey, I cannot not sin. (laughs) I sin every day. I fall short of God's glory. I've mostly broken free of those sins from my teenage years, Mm -hmm. but I can't go a day without a prideful thought, for example. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Mm. You know, I mean, I know you've been on journey, and so praise God, we're all on this journey, right? And we can see things that that used to enslave us that no longer enslave us, but the, the closer we press into the heart of God, the more we realize you know, how many things there are that need still to be made like Jesus. Mm-hmm. We're not there yet. Yeah. But now I know something that I didn't know when I was a teenager. I know I'm forgiven. Mm. I know I'm loved. I know God's not angry with me. I know he's smiling on me. And it's not because I'm so good. It's because Jesus is so good. I'm so glad I know all this right. that, that I didn't know then. But it's been a beautiful journey. And I know that I have the Holy Spirit and that he's given me a brand new heart. And it's a heart that longs to obey God. In my heart of hearts, I long to obey God. And it's a heart that has the power to obey God. That's, That's big right there. Yeah. I still struggle with sin, but now I have the Holy Spirit moving me to do what is good when sin wants to lead me off path, get me off track. Mm-hmm. Isaiah 30, 21 really gets at this. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, and God's talking about when you're tempted to go off the straight path, yeah. the narrow way, the good path, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Oh, to have the Holy Spirit in us. Christ is in us and he is He is speaking to us every single day to our hearts and to our minds and saying, this is the way, Mm -hmm. this is the way, walk Mm -hmm. in it. I'm so grateful. Yes. But uh, you know, we, he's, his voice is not, um, large and overwhelming and demanding, Mm -hmm. you know, we need to want to hear him and be attuned to his voice to hear the direction, but he will, he will in the most kind and gentle and subtle ways direct us as we listen for him. I think as a teenager, the reason I couldn't tap into the Holy Spirit's power is that I was just trying on my own. Mm, Right. I was just trying on my own. And what the Lord has done since then is, you know, by letting me fail and letting me fail and letting me fail and realizing I can't do it, you know, it keeps bringing me to the point where I realize I can't do it, right. but Lord, you can yeah, through yeah. me. And then when I start taking steps of faith, I realize, oh, I can, I can actually walk on the water because the Holy Spirit's with me. Right. Yeah. My, the way that this has hit my heart is God's got me. God's got me. Like I, it, it's not all on me. I don't have to muscle this into being. I can actually rest in his presence and his power because he's got me. Yeah. Man, it's beautiful, isn't it? When I'm tempted to live inside my pride and I'm turning to the right or to the left, you know, I want to hit those self-esteem home runs in my mind. (laughs) 
The Spirit says, Perry, that's pride. Mm. Don't go off to the left or to the right. Walk in humility. The humble path is straight ahead and you have the power to walk it. The other day, mm. I realized that I can't, can't remember exactly what the thought was, but it was a sinful thought. And then I verbalized it to the Lord. Lord, this is what... This is what it just came through my mind. Mm-hmm. And this is how I was thinking of myself better than somebody else. And when I verbalized it, I said, man, that was really ugly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, there's something about bringing it into the light yeah. that shows the ugliness. So when it's kept in the darkness, when it's kept internal and it's not out there, yeah. it can be like, oh, that's not good. But then you bring it to the light and you're like, oh, that's really not good. <laughs> yeah. So it's helpful to call things out when they're, especially when they're internal. Yeah. And I didn't feel condemned. Yeah, praise God for that. I, I voiced it. I didn't feel condemned or the need to beat myself up. I knew that the Father was delighting in my confession. And you know that that thing that you just spoke that is like, ooh, I don't like that, that's ugly, is not you, mm. right? We're separated from yeah. our thoughts, our behaviors, our sin. Like God sees you and now you're being able to see you yeah. as separate from your sin. It's yeah, that's the, that's the fallen part of me. That's not the true me. So before Christ, you and I were fighting a battle with sin we could not win. If, you're, if you don't know Christ, if you've not thrown your life into Christ, you're fighting a battle with sin you can't win. And so just say, Jesus, come into my life, come into my life. But with Christ in our life, we're fighting a battle we cannot lose because we are forgiven and because we have the Holy Spirit. going to start off this Thursday with the absolute best stuff here. We're going to talk about the gospel because the gospel never gets old It and it never gets old because I never stop needing grace and the gospel is grace. And I, I'm curious this morning if you have experienced the lavish, undeserved grace of God. If you, you know, if God's prompting you to share that story, man, we would love to hear from you this morning, 800-968-8930. But I'm reading this book by Brother Lawrence. It's called The Practice of the Presence of God. And in there, he writes this. I want to share this with you. I consider myself the most wretched of men, full of wounds and uncleanness. I've committed all sorts of crimes against my sovereign. Prompted by heartfelt repentance, I confess all of my wickedness to him. I ask his forgiveness and give myself fully into his hands. He may do whatever he wants with me. But my Lord, who is full of mercy and goodness, does not punish me. Instead, he embraces me in love. He seats me at his table and he serves me with his own hands. He hands me the key to his treasure trove. He converses with me and shows delight in me incessantly in thousands of ways. He treats me in all respects as his favorite son. This is how I come into God's holy presence. Beautiful. Isn't that just amazing? I mean, it's just such a beautiful picture of exactly, you know, when we realize our wretchedness and we surrender to God and say, I, I am so sorry. And we're fully expecting the punishment, but we don't get it. We get this lavish love yeah. and this incredible, beautiful grace instead. I call it surprising grace. It mm. is amazing grace, but it's surprising because you don't expect it. Or you could say unexpected grace. Yeah, I mean, he he treats us like his favorite, his favorite son or his favorite daughter. I mean, that's it's scandalous. He loves us. The father loves us as much as he loves the son. That's from the word. Mm-hmm. That's that's from the Gospel of John. Yeah, 
it's scandalous, but it's beautiful. And it's always when I'm doing really, really well and I'm having a good day, I'm his favorite. And when I'm blowing it, still his favorite. (laughs) A few months ago, you know, as far as the conversation about like not getting what you actually deserve. um, A few months ago, I was on the I was on the phone and I got pulled over. I was driving. I know. I know. I know. Don't do this. Don't drive and be on your phone. But I was. So the officer pulls me over and he was like, uh, so what was so important that you were on your phone? I was like, nothing. Nothing was important enough for me to be on my phone while I'm driving. And he's like, okay, um, do you have Bluetooth that you, and I was like, yeah, I do. And he's like, do you need some help learning how to use that? So you don't have to have your phone in your hand. I was like, no, I totally know how to use it. He was like, okay, were you, were you trying to find directions? Like, were you looking at a map? I was like, nope, I wasn't. So the guy was trying to like, it was like, he was trying to give me an out, but I'll tell you what, here's where I sat. I was on my phone while I was driving and I should not have been. And I was guilty. And I was like, just give me the ticket. Like, I'm not going to try to talk myself, talk my way out of this. Yeah. Yeah. I had the same kind of experience where it was a couple of years ago. I was coming into work and we were a team by then. And I ran right through a stoplight and I just, I thought, oh my gosh. And I pulled over and it's like, I wanted a a cop to come. Yeah. You know, because I could just. Right. You deserve it. You deserve the, yeah. And I deserved the ticket. So like I wanted that and this, it, the, it, it comes back to me because I think there is a part of us that knows justice is right and justice is good. And we want the justice and we know we deserve that it's the, it's punishment. And then God greets us right with his incredible lavish grace. And he treats us like his favorite son or his favorite daughter. Ah. Uh, it's just so beautiful. I, I know that I don't deserve it. And yet I can approach God and just come right into his grace and just let him love on me, even though I don't deserve it. You can enter into God's holy presence today, unashamed because God loves you. You're his favorite. So let him love on you. Let him meet you with his scandalous grace today. Well, when I think of the three MSU students who were killed Monday evening, Arielle Anderson, Alexandria Werner, and Brian Frazier, I grieve. I'm sure you do as well. I think of getting that news as a dad, that it was my son or my daughter. And then I think of Cain and Abel. It was the first murder. And the Lord said to Cain, what have you done? What have you done? kind of how I feel. What have you done about this situation and other things in the world? It was the, it was the first murder. And God said, listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Abel's blood was crying out for justice. Abel's blood was crying out for Cain to receive the punishment he deserved. Cain deserved death and yet he was spared. And I wonder about that. God spared Cain. There's this really amazing verse tucked into Hebrews chapter 12 that says, the blood of Jesus speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Hmm. A better word. Hmm. The blood of Abel cried out for justice, for Cain to die for his sin. And every injustice done to you and me cries out for justice, cries out for a price to be paid, for the wrong to be made right that has been done to us. 
Every injustice we inflict cries out for justice, that we pay for what mm-hmm. we've done, that we make it right. Yep. And yet the blood of Jesus, the innocent son of God who was murdered, speaks a better word. His blood doesn't cry out for vengeance or justice. It's the only time a man's blood was spilt mm-hmm. unjustly that didn't cry out for justice. Mm-hmm. The only perfectly innocent man to ever live didn't cry out for justice for himself because his blood speaks a better word. Yes. I mean, the greatest injustice ever in all history. And yet there's no cry for justice in it. There's a better word. I forgive you. That's Mm -hmm. the better word. I forgive you. You deserve to pay for what you've done, but I forgive you. I forgive you because I'm taking on me what you deserve. And now I know why God spared Cain. Because Jesus' blood speaks a better word. That's so good. And you know, the it's so beautiful, right? That we know we know what it is. There's a piece of, of God in us, I think, when something rises up in us and we have an emotional response to something like what happened at MSU and the injustice of it all. There's a a righteous anger. Yeah. And that is totally right. Yes. To feel that sense of justice. Right. And yet at the same time, we're called to be like Jesus and Jesus in the face of the greatest injustice said, I forgive you. Yeah. So there's a challenge there for us too. Yeah. How is the world how is the world going to be set right? How is everything going to be made right? Well, it's through Jesus' death. Mm-hmm. And it's through us laying down our lives somehow in the way that Jesus laid down his life. And forgiveness is not the same thing as saying it's okay and not making necessary, you know, setting up necessary boundaries or right. you know, taking necessary precautions. That's not what I mean by this. Right. Forgiveness always costs. Yeah. Uh, there's always a cost. Somebody's got to absorb the cost. You know, either I'm going to absorb it if I f- forgive someone else, or I'm going to someone try to exact that on them. But yeah, there's always a cost with forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a challenge for all of us to, you know, in in Jesus's way. That's the thing. When we choose to follow Jesus, it's because He's so beautiful and He's so beautiful and He's so good, and we so get what we don't deserve from Him that we want to follow him and, and that's all goodness. But then the minute you say yes to all of who he is, you realize that we're called to be who he is mm-hmm. and that's a tall order and we can't do it on our own. You can't just like muster up some kind of, well, I'm going to muscle my heart into the right posture. It only comes by way of surrendering to the power of God, the, yeah. the presence of God, the spirit of God working in us and through us, you know, and that honestly, it should be our prayer today for the family yep. as we feel, as we feel the injustice and the, the righteous anger, as we feel it, not to dismiss it, but in the face of it, as we feel it to, to also pray that they can have the posture of Jesus and saying, I forgive you. Yeah. Yeah, because when we forgive someone else, we set ourselves free. You know, I'm thinking of this right now. Maybe maybe you are literally a murderer. You're sitting in a cell. You're listening to us right now. Well, I'm a 
I'm a murderer as well. You know, the word says, if we have hated in our heart, if I have hated in my heart, Jesus said this, I'm a murderer. And there are consequences for that. And if you are in that cell, that's the consequence of what you've done. You've murdered, but it's not the eternal consequence because Jesus took the judgment for you that you deserve. And he took the judgment for me that I deserve. And that's what's changing the world, what Jesus has done on that cross. And so, Holy Spirit, help us to be part of that. Empower us to say, Lord, Lord, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And if, if you have not taken hold of the forgiveness of Jesus, there's no sin that's too great. He forgives murderers like he forgave Cain. 1 Peter 3.18, Christ died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, the innocent for the guilty, so that, listen to this, he might bring us to God. So this has been on my heart for a long time, for for years actually. But in 2023 in particular, I am so committed to leaning into experiencing the presence of God in greater measure in my life. And not just like in specific moments where I step away and am alone with him and get to experience his presence. Like I want to, to stay in his presence. And that's not my reality right now. I get caught up in the things of the day and I get distracted and I'm not always aware that he's right here. So I'm doing a deep dive. I'm reading this book by Brother Lawrence. It's called The Practice of the Presence of God. And I am hanging on his every word. And it's a short little book. You could just probably read it in a day, but don't. (laughs) But don't because it's so good and it's so thick and it's so challenging. And I want to, I want to get it. You know, I want to internalize what I'm learning from him. And yeah, you can just keep, you can read through it as quick as you like but then just start over. You could yeah, do it that way too. Right. That's what I do. Yeah. I'm just pacing myself with it, you know, and just yeah. letting it sink and settle deep in as I read it. You're chewing on it. I am. I'm chewing on it. And one of the things he talks about in regards to understanding God's presence and experiencing God's presence as a regular practice, like every moment of every day is that it won't happen if we're pursuing God and other things that we need to pursue God and God alone. So seek first the kingdom of God. And then all these things will be added to you. And don't seek God so that all the things will be added to you. Seek God because he's enough. You know, he's everything. Just fall in love with him and seek him. And the book, um, you know, the, the Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence, it's actually a book of letters that he's writing to a dear friend. And in one of these letters, he writes this. Oh, if we realized our need for the grace and assistance of God, we would never lose sight of him. Not even for a moment. Believe me in this matter. Right now, make a binding and sacred resolution never to willfully forget him again. Spend the rest of your life in his sacred presence, even if loving him means to be deprived of all other comforts. And you can just hear in Brother Lawrence's voice that he's like pleading for his friend, like, you must get this. This is so important. You know, he's begging him to just seek God first. And there's an order here that's really important because he says, first, if we realized our need for God's grace and assistance, we would never lose sight of him. So we've got to have this deep, compelling need within ourselves. And then we make 
a sacred resolution never to willingly forget him again. So if the need isn't first, then the second thing just becomes religion. I'm going to try really hard to keep my mind on you, God, because that's the religious thing to do. No, that comes out of this sense of our great need. So God, give me the sense of desperation Mm -hmm. and help me to see how much I need you. Yeah. There's a devotion that I do every morning. It's an audio devotion called Lectio 365. You can download it on app. It's totally free. Just listen to it. Um, you can read it as well. But it, when it when the prayer time ends, or the devotional ends, it says, and now, Lord, as I take this time of prayer into the coming day, you know, so that's not like, it's not like a telephone call where you're hanging up. It's like, we're still on the line. We're, we're not hanging up. We're hanging out, you know, like all day long because I, I definitely, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I have definitely gotten like halfway through my day and whatever was on my heart at my quiet time that morning, the thing that like really grabbed my attention that I prayed into, I'm like, yeah, I don't remember what that was. And it could be like one o'clock or two o'clock. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so it's like, instead of like closing that chapter or closing my time with God and then going on to the thing that I need to do next, I want to continue with him. I want to stay with him. And like you said, Perry, it's according to, you know, according to Brother Lawrence, it's our awareness of our great need for God's grace and our assistance that, and his assistance that keeps us aware of him. And I think it's great to say, you know, for me, just want a practice to keep God in mind is Abba, I belong to you. Mm-hmm. You know, and if I'm, if I'm really feeling anxious or I'm just you know, feeling overwhelmed or, you know, those are prompts, you know, when I'm, when I'm feeling stuff that's, that's not of the spirit, you know, just those are prompts to say, Abba, I belong to you. Yeah. I'm loved by you. I don't need others approval. You approve of me. You love me. So just Abba, I belong to you. It's so simple, but it's so powerful. Yeah. I mean, the approval of other things, man, the the approval of others, that is a big, that is a big deal. And that is a real wrestling Ben Connolly is with us this morning. He's a pastor and an author, and he has written the book, Reading the Bible, Missing the Gospel, Recovering from Shockingly Common Ways That We Get the Bible Wrong in Our Everyday Lives. Good morning, Ben. Good morning. How are y'all today? We're doing good. We're getting ready for a storm, but you know what? We're Michiganders, so bring it. (laughs) I'm in Chicago today, where it's equally cold, but I'm from Texas, so I'm not ready for it. (laughs) I'm from Southern California, so I'm faking it, but everybody else here in Michigan is going to be just (laughs) fine. Oh, man, we're excited about your book and that the fact that this is going to be our gift to everybody who gives a gift to share this year, which is coming up in just a couple weeks. But I got to tell you, can I shoot straight with you, Ben? I'd be honored. Yeah. Okay. Reading the Bible, missing the gospel. Reading the Bible can be super intimidating. And now you're saying we're doing it wrong. (laughs) How do we how do we engage in the Bible and get it right? How do we engage in the Bible in a life giving, life changing way can you break down the intimidation factor for me? Sure, and I appreciate the straight straight question. I'll give you a straight <laughs> answer back. Uh, my hope is that uh, when we learn to read the Bible rightly, it actually uh, addresses both sides of that. That well, as we read it rightly, it actually becomes a little bit simpler. Because I think a lot of the ways that we're often encouraged, or you know, whether it's our own voices or voices around us, a lot of the ways that we're encouraged to read the Bible actually make it more complicated. 
and we go to the Bible making it about me. If I can just know a little bit more, if I can just feel a little bit better because of what it says, or if I can just figure this part out, or if I can actually obey what it says, this kind of stuff. We, we just make it about my effort, my emotion, my mind, my knowledge. And, and certainly there are teachings and exhortations. I don't want to swing the pendulum too far. But I think it can be really simplifying and really freeing if we accept the fact that the Bible is primarily not about me. The Christian life and message is it's not about me. The Christian message and thus the message of the Bible is, is that it is really about God. And so the Bible is his story of what he's doing in the world and what he has been doing and what his character is and how he displays that from creation to new creation, from Genesis to Revelation. And if we can kind of be freed of thinking it's about me, mm -hmm. then it frees us to go to the Bible primarily going, okay, who is God and what does God say in this? And in doing so, we start to recover the heart of the message and also we're freed from some of the complexity. Talking with Ben Connolly, pastor and author of Reading the Bible, Missing the Gospel. What I hear you saying, Ben, is that when we come to the Bible, we come with the framework of God, you're God. I'm not. God, you're the Savior, and I'm not. And so, that's it. You know, one of my favorite paraphrases of the Bible is the Jesus Storybook Bible by Sally Lloyd Jones. Mm -hmm. And she says, Some people think the Bible is a book of rules telling you what you should and shouldn't do. The Bible certainly does have some rules in it, they show you how life works best. But the Bible isn't mainly about you, which you just said, Ben, and what you should be doing. It's about God and what He has done. Other people think the Bible is a book of heroes, showing you people you should copy. The Bible does have some heroes in it, but as you'll find out, most of the people in the Bible aren't heroes at all. They make some big mistakes, sometimes on purpose. They get afraid and run away. At times, they are downright mean. No, the Bible isn't a book of rules or a book of heroes. The Bible most is a story, an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a far country to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, leaves everything to rescue the one he loves. So Jesus is the only hero of the Bible. And I'd like to know the point in your life when you realized, oh, Jesus, you're the hero. I'm not yeah. the hero. It's not on me. Take us to that moment. Yeah, I appreciate the personal question there. And and for the record, I think Jesus' storybook Bible is fantastic. Mm -hmm. for, we use it with our kids. We also give it to new believers because mm -hmm. it yep. it helps us. It's a great resource. <laughs> Today's segment is sponsored by the Jesus Storybook Bible. Um, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> but, but no, it really is a fantastic resource because it does bring us into the heart of that message and going, yeah, there are some heroes, but you know what? Even those heroes are sinful and broken and they die. We need a better hero. And so every command, every verse, every story uh, points us to Jesus. And for me, I was raised in, in Texas and uh, in a very religious family, very religious culture. But I don't think I actually knew Jesus until I was in college. We did the, the right things. We did all the traditions, this kind of stuff. I knew how to be fairly religious, which anyone from Texas knows, like that's part of our culture. But what struck me as a guy who was pretty dissatisfied through my high school and college years and looked to different things and different people to try to find satisfaction and yet always felt let down. What struck me is I was just walking across the, the university uh, green one day and it hit me like a ton of bricks that if Jesus is real, he should matter to all of life. 
And in some ways, that seems like the most simple message in the world. But for for twenty year old me, mm-hmm. Jesus, if Jesus is real, he should matter to all of life. Was a huge new idea revelation because I'd always been taught like. Jesus died for you in the past, and you don't have to go to heaven. That's a something that happened in the past greatly benefits your future. The all of life piece is what really gripped me, and it was especially around for me in my specific wiring and struggle and that kind of stuff. It was around the lens of all of these other things are going to leave you dissatisfied, but in Christ, God alone, truly, eternally, now and forever, satisfies. Thanks for listening to Barry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.